ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाकया चक्षुरुन मिलितम येना तस्माय श्री गुरवे नमः चैप्टर 1 टेक्स्ट 22 ट्रांसलेशन एंड कमेंट्री बाय हिज डिवाइन ग्रेस श्री एसी भक्तिवेदांत स्वामी प्रभुपाद फाउंडर आचार्य अवस्कन ट्रांसलेशन by the will of providence just so that we may accept you as captain of the ship for those who desire to cross the difficult ocean of kali which deteriorates all the good qualities of a human being but the age of kali is very dangerous for the human being human life is simply meant for self realization but due to this dangerous age men have completely forgotten the aim of life in this age the life span will gradually decrease people will gradually lose their memory finer sentiments strength and better qualities a list of the anomalies for this age is given in the 12th canto of this work and so this age is very difficult for those who want to utilize this life for self realization the people are so busy with sense gratification that they completely forget about self realization out of madness they frankly say that this brief life is but a moment so out of madness they frankly say that there is no need for self realization because they do not realize that this brief life is but a moment on our great journey towards self realization the whole system of education is geared to sense gratification and if a learned man thinks it over he sees that the children of this age are being intentionally sent to the slaughterhouses of so called education learned men therefore must be cautious of this age and if they at all want to cross over the dangerous age ocean of kali they must follow the footsteps of the sages of naimisharanya and accept shri sutagur swami or his bona fide representative as the captain of the ship the ship is the message of lord sri krishna in the shape of bhagavad gita or the shrimad bhagavatam kaling satva haram punsa the age of kali destroys all the good qualities of a human being now those who are born in the age of kali it's mostly because of sinful desire different people are born in different circumstances due to different desires karmana devanetrena jantur dehopapatye according to our activities and according to our desires under the direction of the supreme personality of godhead we get different kinds of bodies not simply by our desire 
For instance, you may desire to be the leader, but there cannot be so many leaders. So Krishna may fulfill your desire to be the top dog by making... So you want to be prime minister or biggest businessman. You want to be you want to be the top dog. So not everyone can be. You have to have some pious activities. Then you can get such a position. But not everyone is so pious. But Krishna may fulfill your desire by literally making you the top dog. That means you want to be the leader, but you don't have the pious activities. So in your next life, you get born as a dog. And among the dogs, you become the chief dog. In a group of four or five dogs, one who barks the loudest, he becomes. Might is right. This is in dog society, now in human society also. So who is the top dog? He's the leader. He's just as happy as the prime minister. Prime minister is thinking, I'm the prime minister. I'm so great. I'm so wonderful. But the top dog is also thinking the same way. So those who are very sinful, generally they're born in Kali Yoga. But even if there is some goodness there, then the age of Kali takes that away. The influence of the age of Kali, the influence of the age of Kali is to drag people down. So we see that even though people, some people are born with good qualities, they may be born in a pious family. But the influence of the age of Kali is such that everywhere there is propaganda to become sinful. And we see gradually, or not so gradually, that the traditions of pious families, in India there are still some pious families, but those traditions are all being spoiled by the influence of the age of Kali. By the influence of the age of Kali, people think that it's very nice to work hard like an animal. You see, an ass is simply working hard. And uh, people think, you see, Prabhupada is so nicely given the commentary. This Prabhupada's commentary, is, you see there's all these different bhais coming around now. Your Ramesh bhai and this, what is it? Kirit, Kirit bhai and this bhai and that bhai and... They're all giving Bhagavad commentaries, but they don't, you won't hear them speaking like this. Here's Bhagavad commentary. The slaughterhouses called the schools. Why? Because they spoil your good sentiments. So there's such a, education means, modern education means simply to put you into ignorance. Sometimes they call these schools Vidya Mandir. But it's Avidya. They are training you in ignorance. You see such ignorance, they have, they have given propaganda so nicely that you are thinking, I will work hard and get my degree. And what is a degree? A degree is a license or passport so that you can work hard all your life. You work hard to get a degree and then you get a good job by which you can work hard all your life. Good job, you see, you get, go to some aluminium factory and get covered in all kinds of polluting chemicals which will probably cause you cancer at an early age. And I have a good job because I work all night in an aluminium or bauxite plant and get covered in chemicals, but I earn so much money. And with that money I can buy my wife a silk sari. And this is the perfection of life. 
simply uh, destroy where where is the intelligence you think you're intelligent getting a good job but where is the intelligence you're simply like the ass the ass is simply working hard and at the end of day at the end of the day you get some grass and the same way people are working hard and at the end of the day they think oh you see now i can go to sleep in an air conditioned room you see good job i worked hard so hard i can i can hardly walk which is good because there's a there's a lift you don't have to walk up the stairs see all the facilities so i can go up in the lift and then go to sleep in an air conditioned room you see you see it's a good job isn't it so i can afford an air conditioner but uh, <laughs> you have to work like an ass to get the facility to sleep so that you can get up in the morning and again refreshed go back to work like an ass and this is called advancement of civilization now the prabhat is noted this is a slaughterhouse educational system is a slaughterhouse because they they destroy your real knowledge you'll you'll find any child naturally they're inquisitive what is the purpose of life they ask these questions sometimes you think children are stupid but they are they're actually they are they're usually less stupid than the adults because the adults are trained in stupidity in the slaughterhouses called schools they're trained how to be fools so the children they're actually they're not so spoiled so they ask good questions like where have we come from and why so many questions children will ask why this why that and they 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 don't ask those silly questions just study so you can get a good job like me work hard study so this uh, this is the influence of the age of kali that everyone is encouraging everybody else to be a big moodha work hard like an ass don't think of the goal of life actually if you see, if you start talking there are many people if you start talking philosophically all this say what is this that's stupid what do you, what do you want to talk about self-realization god or that's stupid come on let's be real real life is here you see working like an ass this is real you see watch tv now it's friday day off what should we do watch tv come on we've got a nice color tv with all the all the different buttons you don't even you don't even have to get up to turn you can sit in your seat and increase the sound and decrease it and change channels I mean what facility I mean this is wonderful what a wonderful life I work hard like an ass and then I sleep most of the day on Friday and then I can sit in a chair and I can watch all the different channels all the nonsense different channels so I mean this is reality we you see we can enjoy life what do you want to ask what do you want to ask those silly questions for if you want to ask questions like that ask them after you're 80 years old and so well, that's what they say young people why should young people be interested so you you become religious when you're old enjoy now and then when you're going to die then you maybe you should start thinking about god because if there is one you're going to be in a lot of trouble so you better start thinking about him at some point but even even we find we're preaching even the 80 year old man becomes interested and the, everyone else say ah oh, come on why come on we got tv you know we used to be 80 year old men were interested but they didn't have tv in those days so 
You can enjoy TV. Why chant Hare Krishna? Don't be a nuisance. Old men are nuisance. They're just a nuisance. So you're already enough of a nuisance, so don't become a religious nuisance. Be a secular nuisance. So like this, out of madness, you see Prabhupada is saying here, out of madness they frankly say that there is no need for self-realization. Madness. Anyone who is not interested in understanding the purpose of life is simply insane. He may be PhD insane. He may be director of a company insane. He may appear to be a very sane and reasonable person, sophisticated, dressed in nice clothes, successful job. But he's insane because he doesn't know what the purpose of life is. It's wearing nice clothes. But what is that? It's a decoration on a dead body. Body's already dead. Only the soul gives life to the body. And simply we're interested in working hard to get money to wear nice clothes and decorated with lipstick and nail polish. Insane. Insane civilization. So what to do? How to get guided out of this nasty situation? If anyone's interested in becoming sane, what should they do? Here we see that the sages at Naimisharanya, they have addressed Sutta Goswami as Karnadhar, means captain, captain of the ship. Even they are sages, they are rishis, they are not fools and rascals. They are elevated people. But even they are thinking this Kali Yoga is very dangerous. We should accept shelter of a person who is competent to guide us over this ocean of the age of Kali. And they were, they were living in a very pious life. India at that time wasn't so much impious like now. But even they were thinking that this Kali Yoga is very dangerous. We have to take shelter of a person who is competent to guide us over the ocean of the age of Kali. Actually, the Kali Yuga has some good quality also. Kale dosha mahan guna kitana deva krishna samukta There's some good quality. In Bhagavatam 12th canto, Shubhadeva Goswami describes some of the bad qualities of Kali Yoga and it's pretty bad. It's very bad. So many things he says. Prajaste bhakshi shanti mlachas rupina that the leaders of the state who are supposed to protect the citizens instead they will devour them. They'll take all their assets. So many things are described. People will think that beauty is judged by your hairstyle. Which hairstyle have you got today? Which color is your hair today? 
So many symptoms are there given there. Dhamprati Biruche Hetur. Marriage will be based simply on sexual attraction. Therefore, Lavanya Kesha Dharana. Everyone's very busy making their hairstyle very nice. So they can attract some member of the opposite sex by their hair. Stridve, Pungstve, Chahiratir. So many symptoms are given. Someone will be thinking, thought, this is a very good woman, simply on the basis of bodily features, and men also. It's considered a good man if he has very handsome features and very big, strong body, like an ox. So that is considered very good. Not what is the quality of the person? Has he developed any good qualities? Is not considered, but how strong is the body? Means practically how fit is he for sexual enjoyment? That is considered. So in in so many ways, in every way, Kali Yoga, there's so many bad qualities listed by Shukadev Goswami. But at the end, he's, he summarizes says, Kala Dojanidhe. This Kali Yoga is an ocean of faults. It's all bad. I've listed this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Summary, everything is bad. Kali Yoga, it's, everything is bad. But there's one good thing. That by chanting Hare Krishna, you can very easily get free from material life and go back home, back to Godhead, to Krishna. So that's the good thing. But that also requires some guidance. Because Kali Yoga is very dangerous. You see, there are many saintly persons, apparently. But Kali Yoga is so bad that even many of the saintly people, they're also actually instruments of Kali. Most of the so-called saintly people in the world are instruments of Kali and it's very difficult to see. Because you'll see in India there are many swamis, they may be very learned, they may be very moral, vegetarians, encouraging people to lead a good life. Don't smoke, don't drink, be good, be nice, smile. So people think it's very good, very good sadhu. But then what is the philosophy not Krishna conscious? Not Savadhaman Paritadja Mamekam Sharanam Raja. For all their so called morality, they're envious of Krishna. They're Mayavadis. Even sometimes they pose themselves as devotees. But actually they're envious of Krishna. So it's very dangerous. You see, you have to accept a guru to guide you on the path back to Godhead. But how will you know? There are so many cheaters who they've become a spiritual leader. They're, enjoy, they're enjoying some subtle enjoyment that I'm a great leader. You see, I'm God and I'm leading. I'm one with the impersonal, all-pervading all Brahman. 
and I'm I'm God, I'm guiding others. So they enjoy that. That people look up to me, people respect me, but they're not devotees of Krishna. Their aim is not to guide people to Krishna. So they appear to be very saintly, but actually they're rascals. Because they're misleading people. They're taking the position of guru, but they're guiding people to hell. You say, how to hell? Because they're vegetarians. They're telling you not to smoke and drink. But that because they're guiding you to be envious of Krishna. Even sometimes they tell stories of Krishna. As if they're devotees of Krishna. But actually they can't guide you to Krishna because they themselves are envious of Krishna. Or they want to use Krishna for some entertainment. Just like I was saying, these all these different bhais are coming who are Bhagavat Katakas. But they won't they won't teach you this. You see, they won't what will they teach you from Bhagavatam? Some nice stories. In Bhagavatam there are so many instructions that people don't like to hear. Talking about this uh, how some of our devotees they're making marks on the Bhagavatam. So it's not very good. I was explaining that. Pencil marks. But I was seeing one of the devotees here they're making pencil marks on the different verses. They're little comments and ticks as if this is a very nice verse. When I was reading the section, I was coming to the section where I was describing how man becomes entangled in this material world because of attraction to woman and how he goes to hell because he works hard becoming enchanted by his family members, by the web of Maya. So this whole section, there are no marks. This was not rated very highly by the reader. They don't like that section. We don't want... This is a section of Bible. We'll just go through that very quickly. We'll come to something nice. But you can't understand what is nice unless you understand what is not nice. Then you'll become confused. If you think, I'll only read the part of Bhagavatam which is nice, then you take it as some kind of entertainment. And then you see sometimes even our devotees, they're following all the principles and everything, but some nice Bhagavatam speaker comes and says, Oh, let's go and listen. You spoke very nicely. You should be very careful. If anyone speaks very nicely, be very careful. Because mostly who speaks nicely, they're entertaining you. That's all. And they get some reputation as an entertainer and become famous as a great saintly person. But they don't change people's lives. Because they themselves, they're, they're doing Bhagavatam business as a kind of sense gratification. That we will enjoy listening to the Bhagavatam. Why don't you listen to this? Tungsestri amittani bhavamaitam tayaraha ridhya grantamaha ato griha kshetra sutabdivitaya janasya maho yamahamameti There's also Bhagavatam. And there are dozens of shlokas like this. What is the meaning? That material life the very basis of material life is attraction between male and female. And when they actually join together, then they become not on the heart. They become very tightly bound together in maya. And then one thinks in terms of I, me and mine. My wife, my home, my children, my country, my bank, bank, my bank balance. 
And in this way you forget the goal of life. So people, they don't, they don't hear that. They say, well, that's for, that's for sannyasis, that verse. That's not for me. But, uh, actually this is for everybody. Everyone should hear these things. I mean, it may be very cruel. I was just reading Prabhupada's purport. It's devastating. Just by using just three words is just so devastating. It's describing how someone dies and all, when he's dying all the family members come and lament and cry. And Prabhupada used three words, for formality's sake. For formality's sake, at the time of death his, re his relatives come and cry. In other words, they don't give a damn. They're all thinking, you know, you know, here we all are. You know, we all want to get the assets. But for, oh, someone's dying. Okay, we, all right, cry, cry a little bit. Okay, you know, all right, we ten, ten minutes we cried. That's enough. Or oh, someone may cry some more. In some cultures, like Chinese, when someone dies, they have professional mourners. You know about that? They're hired to come to the funeral procession, and their job, their job, they do it, they get paid for this, is to make a big show, crying. It helps to make the atmosphere, you know, so you can all... <laughs> They're expert at acting. I saw also when I was a child, I, I also, uh, I used to, because my mother used to want me to go to church, then I found out that actually it's, it's quite a lucrative business. You can attend these, you can help the priest in the funeral ceremonies and wedding ceremonies and, you know, you get paid, you get some dakshina. So I found out that was quite good. That was the beginning of my religious life. <laughs> So you see the priest, you know, is standing there saying the prayers and mm, yes, I can't remember any of the prayers now. So I didn't take much notice of what he was saying. He'd read something from the Bible and very solemn and and as if he's very sad. But he does it, you know, five or six times a day and he doesn't know who the person is. He doesn't give a damn. It's just, you know, you know, I had to do something. I could have become a bricklayer or an engineer or I could have taken the government doll, but, you know, all right, I became a priest, you have to do something. So, uh, you know, he says this. Now it's funeral time, so okay, sad face. And next, what's next on the agenda? Okay, marriage, okay. So now it, this is a smiling ceremony. Okay, next, next is funeral. Okay, time to, time to put on the grave looks again. I remember once I saw one young man, actually his whole family were going to, on holiday, going for a holiday to enjoy ourselves. They were driving up the motorway and uh, unfortunately they crashed and the whole family died. So at the funeral ceremony, I was at the funeral ceremony and the only surviving member of the family young man about 19 years old and he was crying oh the next week I saw him in the church and he you know there was some young lady there and he was 
talking to her and laughing. And then I say, oh, wait a minute, just a week ago you were in such terrible pains at your family dying. And, you know, well, you know, just one week later that Viraha Bhav is finished and now he was in Shringaras with, <laughs> with the, uh, some young woman in the church. So Prabhupada is, is pointing it out for formality's sake. You see, such cruel, such harsh words. Who's going who's gonna to accept this? That for formality's sake we lament when our relatives die. Actually, no one gives a damn. No one cares. Once someone's old, you know, what's, the, you know, what's the use that someone died? I was shocked to hear that so-and-so died here. Last year, last summer, we heard. Mother Teresa died, and messages came from all over the world. I was shocked. The Prime Minister of every country in the world said, I was shocked. Why are you shocked? She was already like 80 years old. Of course she's going to die. Everyone dies, especially when you're old. Why are you shocked? Everyone dies, especially the death rate when you're 80 years old. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty high. So we were shocked. Everyone's shocked when someone dies. Why are you shocked? Everyone's going to die. So especially an old person, they're just waiting for him to die. Oh, this old person. Even though he worked his whole life to maintain the children, when they get old, the children think, oh, how miserable. This is in modern society. In traditional cultures, old people are respected. In the modern life is enjoy yourself. But if there's an old person sitting at home and you have to feed them like a child, it's like, oh, how miserable. We want to go to a party, but we've got this old, old father. have to look after him. and costs us money too. He's so ungrateful. Why doesn't he just die like everyone else at his age? Then he died. Oh, oh wait a minute. Okay. Oh. All right. Cry. For formality's sake, he'll do some crying. So people don't like to hear this. This is the fact. There's no love in the material world. Everyone's self-interested. They create a family just because, for, my, for the sake of enjoyment, they have a family. Otherwise, how can you be happy? No life without wife. Living begins with your real life begins when you have a wife to encourage you to work hard like an ass. And so people don't like to hear these things. I'm sure you'd all be enjoying this much more if I was telling a few jokes and stories and making you all laugh. So sometimes that's also one method of preaching. But Reality is that life in the material world, it's cruel, not nice. Their only friend is Krishna. Suharidam Sarvabhutanam. The only friend is Krishna. And who guides us to Krishna, he is actually our friend. And everyone else, in the name of being a friend, is an enemy. Because every, in the material world, friendship means everyone's making some adjustment for sense gratification. That 
How much can I get from you? What can that's just like Dale Carnegie's philosophy. Now it's been made into a big science by this Stephen Covey. The whole thing, how to win friends and influence people, it means you be nice to people, and then because you're nice to them, they think, then you take some advantage from them. That's the whole thing. And Stephen Covey's made a whole science that make, make sure he gets something, you do somewhere, make sure he gets some. he's coming to Dubai. Dubai is being blessed. By, by the presence of Stephen Covey. So his idea is that you make sure that everyone gets something and then you can get more for yourself. And we'll all live happily together. He's doing pretty good business out of it himself. Become a multi-millionaire by advising people how to live in this world happily, which is nonsense because there's no living in this world happily. The idea is that you're all you're nice to everybody else, and then everybody else will cooperate with you. It's not true. You have no, in modern age, you're nice to people, and they simply rip you off. And they cheat you. Business means, you know, you're in business. You're nice, you know, you're talking, this, that, but you have to be very careful. You can't be too nice. You don't give the goods without making a contract. You know, it's not simply love and trust. So we're going to deliver $2 million worth of goods and we're not going to, you don't have to sign, we trust you, we love you. You know, we can just pay whenever you like, whatever, you know. The business doesn't work like that. Everything subject to Bombay jurisdiction. Every, even if you buy a coach ticket for 100 rupees, booking in advance, any dispute subject to Bombay jurisdiction, no trust. Business means... Everyone's trying to cheat everybody else. And that's the whole material world. Everyone is simply trying to cheat everyone else. But we make a veneer on it. You know what veneer means? You know what? It's like you have some, you have some, uh, some cheap wood, like hardboard or something like that. Chipboard. And you put some plastic coating, which the plastic looks like it's, it, lo it looks like it's teakwood. So from, it looks good from the outside, but actually it's useless. It's, it's, so in the same way, we, put, we make a show of being nice to others, but actually everyone's interested in themselves. So this is the actual fact of society. And this is described in Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam describes Krishna Vila so many different leaders of the Lord, but gives us what is the actual fact of this material world. Otherwise, if we don't hear these things, we'll listen to Krishna Lila, and we think that's very nice, and then material life is also very nice. But our actual spiritual life begins when we are disgusted with this material world. When we understand that this material world, as Bhakti Stansasura Thakur said, is not a fit place for a gentleman. Our Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that this materialist existence, it's very nice. Just, it's just as nice as a pit into which people pass stool. That's how nice it is. That's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's analysis. You don't have to be have flushing toilets in Dubai. So we don't know what that is. But you can imagine in the hot weather, there's a pit, people, no drainage, just you pass stool, so everyone's stool is 
mounting up and fermenting in the heat. You can imagine how nice that is. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's analysis is that this material world is like a pit into which people pass through. That's how nice it is. But we are thinking, yes, that's very nice. We're thinking like that in this human form of life. When we get a dog body, we think it's very nice. When we get a hog body, we think it's very nice. When we're born as a worm in stool, we think that is also very nice. This is illusion. This is Maya. So the Bhagavatam warns us, don't be attracted by the false show of niceness. You see all these nice buildings, nicely designed and nice highways in Dubai and nice cars. What's, what's the ultimate goal of all this? Simply you live very nicely and die very nicely and very nicely go to hell, that's all. And you don't know what is the purpose of life. Very nicely, you see. You're not living in some slum. You're living in very nice apartment. So you're very nicely going to hell. Not, not in an uncultured way, very cultured manner. You see, very polite and educated. You're not slum dwellers, rough, nasty people living in dirty... You have nice, clean clothes. Everything is very nice. So very nicely going to hell. Without understanding the purpose of life, without understanding Krishna, we're simply spoiling our lives. Who's going to speak these things? Not professional speakers. Not these bhajanwalas who... They sing very nice bhajans and play tabla. And you listen to it and think, very nice. But who's going to tell that material life is just like a pit into which people pass stool? And if you say this, no one's going to come and listen. If they listen, they'll think, well, okay, I was all right for once. I don't hear that kind of thing too much. We should hear regularly. We should hear all the time. You read Prabhupada's books. Prabhupada, he's not a cheater. He gives you the knowledge directly, clearly. We may go through it. Oh, this is a nice verse. This is a nice verse. Take that one. Then you come to these verses where it describes the miseries of material life, how you're entangled. And oh, okay, let's, all right, well, let's go through that quickly and get to some nice verses. You should study these. Consider. Smaran nitya manitya bham. Always remember everything here is temporary. What are you doing here? Just like Prabhupada once he asked someone, he visited some commune. So he asked someone, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm doing some gardening. But now what are you doing with your life? People mostly are on the very superficial platform. How are you? We always hear people ask, how are you? Well, if you really think, how are you? It's not very good. How are you? I'm going to hell. And you say, how are you? Yes, very well, very nice, thank you. But if you really want to answer the question, how are you? For most people, I'm completely in illusion. I don't know what the purpose of life is. I'm simply wasting my time. But simply, how are you? That's all. Why don't you really, why don't you really consider how are you? 
What is the actual position? How are you? What are you? You don't even know who you are. First of all, you should ask, who are you? No, how are you? Who are you? Are you the body or what are you? Then you think, how are you? People don't want, they, they simply want something cheap. Even in the name of religion, you see people very pious, go to the Gurudwara, go to the church. But who wants to surrender to Krishna? That's why there are so many cheating swamis. They're very successful. You see, they have thousands of followers. And they think, well, what is this Hare Krishna? There's only a few. If you go to Sai Baba Satsang, you'll find so many people. So why not Hare Krishna? Sai, that means Sai Baba is better. Isn't it? No. Simply means those who want to be cheated. There are more. In Kali Yuga, there are more. So they're going. It's very nice. You go there and you take some blessing. And some sparks will fly out of his hair. And some dust will fall out of his hand. And you're thinking, this is very nice. This is, you, you go there, you do some bhajans. And you come back and you get Baba's blessings. And you enjoy material life more and more. Piously, vegetarian. You see, Sai Baba is very good. So many people became vegetarian after going to Sai Baba. So they think, oh, very good. Very spiritual. So that's not spiritual. Simply to become vegetarian. Actually, if you think the Sai Baba is God, better you really, better Better than thinking that and being vegetarian is to be meaty to and not think as God. You're in a better position because that's more sinful. People say, oh, I'm a vegetarian. It's as, if as if that's something very spiritually advanced. But then they have so many sinful ideas which are envious of Krishna. Sai Baba is God. That's so much envious. That's more sinful than eating meat. And I'm not saying that eating meat's good. It's not. But these envious ideas that some person, some jiva, some imitationist is equal to the Supreme Personality of Godhead is extremely sinful. See, people don't know. They, don't, they think this is very pious. You see, we go to a bhajan, satsang. It's extremely... They think they're becoming pious, but actually they're becoming extremely sinful. Because that praise which is meant for Krishna, they're diverting it to another person. Practically there's nothing more sinful than this. They think I'm becoming pious, but they're not. They go to hell by following the wrong leader. So how much important it is, you see, the sages at Naimasharanya, they wanted to accept Sutta Goswami as the proper guide to guide them over the dangerous ocean of Kali. See, they are intelligent enough to understand this Kali Yuga is very dangerous. If you don't chant Hare Krishna, if you don't follow the path of Bhakti Yoga as given by the authorities, then you have a very black future. 
Because in Kali Yuga, people commit sinful activities just as a habit. They don't even, they've made a philosophy, they don't even distinguish between what is sinful and what is not. Previously people were very afraid of sinful activities. But now they've made a philosophy, there's no difference, it's all the same. Nothing wrong. You see, abortion, divorce, meat-eating, it's all, you know, it's all normal. It's all part of normal, modern life. So they don't even distinguish what is sinful and what is not. Previously, they used to, people used to know there's sinful and not sinful. Now there's sinful, who even heard of such a word? What is sinful? Because they all put It's all wrong. It's all the same. But I saw some book in which someone was praising the so-called Ram Krishna Paramahamsa. But he is the culmination of all the great Acharyas. You see, Shankaracharya taught that everything is the same and then other Acharyas taught. Ramanuja and other Acharyas taught Bhakti. So he's teaching Bhakti and, and he's teaching that all the paths are the same and all is one. You see, he's the culmination of all the Acharyas. Such, such a genius he is praising him. What is his, what is his mantra? Jata vat tatapa. All the paths, they're all the same. Whatever you think, whatever you consider, jata vat that, as many, as many thoughts, as many opinions, that many paths. In other words, whatever you do, it's all the same, it's all God, it's all one. So this has come out in the modern so-called philosophies. There's no philosophy in the modern age. No one knows what philosophy is. That's come out that, uh, that the, the general mode of thinking. But whatever you like to do, it's okay. Whatever you think, whatever you want to do, it's all right. If you want to... Uh, just like now, you see, actually, Prabhupada's books, there are many things in these books which uh, they're actually illegal. Just like now in many states in America, it's actually illegal to say anything against homosexuality. Even verbally. Even in Prabhupada's books, they're directly saying this is sinful. So they've, they've made such a, such laws that not only, not only is it legal to be a sinful homosexual, but if anyone disagrees with that, that's also illegal. I saw when I was in England last, on the, uh, they, they had, you know they have the newspaper and then they have a magazine like to go with it. So this is one of the intellectual papers. British are very... They have the intellectual class in Britain. Pseudo-intellectuals. Puffed up like anything. So this uh, newspaper was saying that... Uh, it was, the whole article, the main article was supporting how, 
how good homosexuals are. You see, they develop all good qualities. You see, they, they studied and they, they found out that homosexuals, you see, they're more considerate and aesthetic and they're encouraging. This is the intellectual class. Encouraging these horribly sinful things. See, people are thinking, you see, sex is, you know, you want sex, but then you have children and it's better, you know, better just have homosex and then there's no children. It's so sinful. Who, who can imagine how sinful they've become? But you see, it's all the same. You see, if you want, you want you homosexual, any sex, this, that, you you already got married and you don't like your wife anymore, okay, so you know, just divorce her, it's okay. Get another one. Plenty of women in the world, aren't there? Marry someone else, I want to marry, well, she's already married to someone else, okay, never mind, doesn't matter. Take her away. It's modern life. Nothing wrong with that. You'll see in the advertisements for marriage, they'll say, what is that, innocent divorcee or something. It wasn't my fault, it was the other part. They want to get married again. I'm innocent. They'll both say, I'm innocent. Innocent victim of the other person. He said, got divorced. So, when you get married again, and, uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can always try again, you know. I mean, we, we're going to live for 60, 70 years, so, you know, if one marriage doesn't work, well, you know, just try someone else. If that doesn't work, well, you can always try someone else. You know, a few kids here and there, and you know, well, you know, never mind. And they can grow up. They'll grow up somehow or other. We don't have to look after them. I love my kids. I hug them. That's all. From time to time, I hug them. I don't look after them. And they don't need me to tell them anything. They get everything from the TV. So, you know, there's uh, food in the fridge. So, you know, what do they need me for? I'll go to a party and make some markets with someone. So, this is modern life. Everything's okay. These are the teachings of modern, modern philosophy. Everything's cool, man. Everything's nice. But, And Acharya doesn't say that. Acharya means one who teaches by his example. Means there's some Acharan. Not Acharan that whatever you want to do, it's okay. Everything's all the same. No. Rules and regulations. As soon as you say this, so many people will walk away. That's why the, uh, our popular speakers, they don't give you rules and regulations. Or even if they be a vegetarian, be good, smile. But surrender to Krishna. Who's going to speak such a thing? You say, that's crazy. Why do you want to surrender to What is this? They make so many philosophies. There's an organized attempt to deny the supremacy of Krishna in the terms of indology and so different... There's some... some Interpreters of Bhagavatam, they go and give classes and they say things like, well, Dharma Deity, 
He covered the universe with his steps. That means he was a very he was a very learned person, so his fame spread all over the world. I mean, you can't really believe that he stepped over the universe. So you have to interpret it in this way. So people are being misled. But our Acharya speaks what is the fact and the basis of Shastra. doesn't interpret it. Prabhupada, he said so many things which were unpopular. When they were going to the moon, so-called, Prabhupada directly said, you didn't go to the moon. He publicly said what people thought was crazy. How can you say you didn't go to the moon? We saw it on television. You see, you see so many films on television. Now they have this famous film that was a fashion for some time, this Jurassic Park. You saw these dinosaurs. Now is it real? You see science fiction movies. So how you saw it on television. Actually, I, I got one very interesting video made by Americans, journalists, and showing in so many ways that the whole moon trip was just a big hoax. So much cheating. The first thing they showed that, that you see, they, with all this big spacesuit on, you couldn't even get in and out of the space capsule. That's the first thing. Because <laughs> the hole to get, the door was too small. It's not possible. But they showed so many things. So many. It's very interesting. I should have brought it, actually. It's with, uh, our devotees are doing college preaching, and it's a sensation. And the, all, the, all the professors, they hate it. But the, the students, they're, they're quite interested. They're in Gujarat, they're doing this. So Paul is caught up, and you can't go to the moon, Why? Because the moon is further away than the sun. And this sounds like craziness. Madness. And how can you say that? Because Shastra says, but this doesn't tally, you see, modern science, you see, we know the moon is only a short distance from the sun. We, we send radio waves, and, they, and they, we aim them at the moon, and they come back, and we, we see how much time it takes to come back. And by this, we know the speed of radio waves, and we can est this way we can understand the distance of the moon. It's a simple scientific thing. So who's right? The prophet's saying that the moon is a heavenly planet full of nectar. It's further away than the sun. You can't go there. It's 95 million miles away. And your spacecraft, you said, only goes 18,000 miles an hour. So how did you go in four days? It seems like crazy thing. Actually, one devotee I was hearing, he... Um, he was asking Prabhupada that, Prabhupada, that, uh, you know, the, actually the scientists, they discovered so many things about space, and how can we deny them? He gave an example. They discovered this planet Pluto because they saw, they, they saw that the planets Jupiter and Neptune, according to their calculations, their orbit wasn't as it should have been. It seemed to be influenced by another heavenly body. There seems to be some gravitational effect 
of which their orbit it's not going in the ellipse that we think it should be going in. So they they calculated that you see it should be this one should be going like this and this one should be going like that. So they calculate that it seems that there should be a planet in this orbit which is influencing Jupiter and Neptune. So they looked in their telescope and they discovered Pluto. So it seems you know they know what they're doing. They could understand this planet must be there due to the influence on other planets. Prabhupada's reply, we have our own calculations. We don't care for this. So that devotee was surprised. You know, how can you just reject this body of modern science, these very intelligent people, and they actually discovered Pluto, but the modern science doesn't accept it at all. Seems like he's being dogmatic. What's going on? Okay, do it scientifically. Quickly. 18,000 miles an hour. So then a few years later, the devotees saw in the newspaper a headline, this was about 1981, he saw a headline that Pluto will vanish by the year 1986. And it was actually a sarcastic headline, because it meant that according to their original calculations, if their original calculations, which they discovered Pluto by, if they were actually correct, then according to that, Pluto should be vanishing so fast that within five years it would absolutely cease to exist. And they say, so in other words, they made more calculations and they discovered actually the whole thing, Jupiter and Neptune, they weren't in a right cause anyway. And it was just, it was just a complete fluke they discovered Pluto. The Prophet said that these scientists, they discover things because the Prophet said that Krishna sees they're trying so hard Okay, let them discover something. Okay, let them discover something. And then let them become a Nobel. Let them become a Nobel Prize winner. Let them discover. Most of the scientific discoveries come. Someone tries so hard, tries so hard, tries so hard, trying to find out. And then when they're not even thinking about it, just like Eureka, sitting in the bath, having a bath. Eureka! When you're not even thinking about it, then Krishna's super soul gives the inspiration. And then you get a Nobel Prize for discovering. But then someone else comes along and discovers that what you discovered wasn't true and he gets a Nobel Prize. And this goes on and on. So Prabhupada had no faith in this. He said, we have our own calculations. So same thing. Uh, Prabhupada was fixed in Shastra and fixed in knowledge of Krishna and fixed in serving Krishna and he knew that there is not the, the only benefit, the only welfare work for human society, the only necessity of human society is to spread Krishna consciousness. Therefore he did it. He went all over the world and he spread Krishna consciousness. 
And there are many gurus and sadhus and even Vaishnavas, they didn't do it. They didn't understand the need to save others from a miserable life. But Prabhupada had that love for Krishna by which he understood that everyone is part and parcel of Krishna, everyone is suffering without knowledge of Krishna. So let us try to do something to spread that knowledge of Krishna. Therefore, in our Krishna conscious movement, we accept Srila Prabhupada as the captain of the ship called Iskon, which can guide us over the dangerous ocean of Kali's, very dangerous. You see, in the, this, uh, in the Amazon River, maybe you know there are some fish called piranha. So if you think, I will go for a nice swim in the river, and as soon as you jump in the river, within one minute, there will only be a skeleton left. Because they'll come and they'll just, they'll come and eat you immediately, little fish. So you may think, well, we're going on the boat of Krishna consciousness, but, you know, the ocean of Kali, it's not so bad. Let's go for a little swim. Just like going for a swim in the Amazon River. That's one way of committing suicide. They have books, how to commit suicide. Different options. Choose your own option, tailored for your personality. So that's a bit of a, that's an exotic way to commit suicide. You fly to Brazil, go in the Amazon River, and dive off the boat, and there'll be a skeleton and red, red water. Nothing left. Everything gone. So like that, we may think, well, I'll turn high Krishna, but, you know, Enjoy life a bit. Have a little entertainment. Watch TV and mix up with a few, you know, all this fanatical, calling them materialistic people. I know they're nice people and nothing wrong with have a few bad habits, but it's very, very dangerous. Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he was asked, how, we can, how can we recognize a Vaishnava? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Asat Sangatyag e Vaishnavacha. The symptom, the first symptom or the prominent symptom of a Vaishnava is he gives up Asat Sangha. So Asat Sangha means associating with materialistic people, associating with the ideas, the propaganda, the TV, all this nonsense. So our path is quite different. We may be living in this world, but when those who are devotees are Christian, they don't take part in it. Only as much as necessary, because you have some job, this, that you have to do. But only as much as necessary. Not anymore. We don't try to enjoy this material world. It's very, very dangerous. If we think I'm going to enjoy, material enjoyment means you get a tiny drop of enjoyment which is not enjoyment at all and for that you have to suffer repeated birth and death. We should understand these things.
take shelter of Bhagavatam, who is Krishna in literary form. Take shelter of Bhagavan, Aradha Bhagavan, Prajeshtaniya, Sadhama Vrindavanam. Take shelter of Krishna in Vrindavan, worship Krishna. And take shelter of the Bhagavats, means the devotees. All devotees have to help each other. Especially we should take shelter of the great Mahabhagavat, Srila Prabhupada, who has given us the path how to come out of this dark age of Kali. Even in living in this most materialistic, most foolish age, Prabhupada has given us the process how to come out from this darkness. So we should follow his guidance. Read these books. Read every page. Don't skip over. Don't think, I don't, this section is too much for me. You may think, I don't like to hear all these things about how materialistic life is just... It's, it's, I like the, something. It's not you like, you like, you don't like. But this is the fact that this material world is like a pit into which people pass stool. So don't try and ignore that. Then you'll cheat yourself. Bhagavatam is full of instructions that are meant for our benefit. So you have to be brave enough to take that. Materialistic people are simply covering, they try to hide themselves from reality by watching TV, movies, parties. They're simply covering themselves from reality. They don't want to face the reality. The material life is miserable. We all have to die. We all have to suffer. So, as devotees, devotees, they are sargrahi. They're interested in accepting the essence of life. So don't avoid, they don't take Krishna consciousness as a kind of pious Pious entertainment. The whole package has to be taken. Material life is miserable. Understand this. And understand this and take it as an impetus to come out of this materialistic life, surrender to Krishna, and enter into our real life, which is with Krishna in the spiritual world. Hare Krishna. Is there any question? Hmm. What's the difference between ignorance and nescience? They're two different words which which mean the same thing, yeah. That is why it's called a slaughterhouse. The animal going to the slaughterhouse also has no other option. They don't ask the animal, would you like to be slaughtered or not? They simply force you. So the education system is a slaughterhouse. You have no option. You're simply an animal sent for slaughter. But at least we have one option. Take to Krishna consciousness. 
and take proper education from Srimad Bhagavatam. But you should also understand that it's very insidious, this education system. The whole atmosphere that's created by it. That life is coming from chemicals and then someone is better because he has a university degree. This is very deeply rooted. People say, oh, well, I'm better. I'm be Even you see people become devotees, but they think, you see, I'm a, I'm a devotee, but I'm an MSc devotee. And he's a devotee, he's only a BSc. You see, I'm better. That false pride, because you've got more nescience in your head, more nonsense, then you think you're better. So that is the horrible condition of modern life, that they force you. And even though uh, it's of no benefit, you see, now it's, it's a very complex thing, you see. Just like young girls, they're all sent to the college, and you have to have a college education. So in the college they're mixing up all boys and girls and then they don't get married till late and then they don't, they don't, they, they learn so many things, how to be engineers. They don't know how to cook a chapati. And the whole society, the whole society becomes imbalanced because they want to make women and men exactly the same in all respects. So the women are busy working at a job. There's so many things. I could go on for hours about this. They're working at a job, but then who's, who's mothering the children? They don't want to do that. They don't want to, they don't want, they're busy at their studies, they don't want to cook, so they go outside to eat some food, some food cooked by some sinful person. And they eat bread cooked by karmis because it's convenient. It's just, it's a, it's a whole syndrome of contamination. By this whole idea, everyone has to get educated. Everyone has to have a degree. But uh, for developing higher qualities, then, as Prabhupada says here, that uh, finer sentiments, finer sentiments are destroyed by Kali Yoga. So this. Actually, this materialistic education, it destroys your finer sentiments. The intelligence which, which can be used for contemplating the purpose of life, simply you have to work, 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 and put more and more things in your head. So you, you can't, your aesthetic sense and your actual intellectual and philosophical sense is destroyed by modern education. I know myself, I had no idea of Krishna consciousness at the time, but... I was under a lot of pressure to go to university, but I mean, the main reason I didn't want to—well, I didn't want to go because one thing I didn't want to spend work studying a whole bunch of things which I had no interest in. Another thing was I didn't want to associate with the students because they're they're so degraded, so stupid. Why do I want to live with the students? It was their main interest in life. That's why I'm saying, come on, you go to university and you can enjoy with the other students. No, thank you. By Krishna's grace, even though I didn't know about Krishna consciousness, but I had enough. Krishna gave me enough intelligence to avoid going to university. All right, so that's enough whiplashing for now.
But take it seriously. Don't take Krishna consciousness as a sentiment. Chanting Hare Krishna and be happy. But you can only be fully happy in Krishna consciousness if you understand that there is no other happiness but Krishna consciousness. So having said that, we'll chant Hare Krishna and be happy. A few more questions? Okay. No? There's no more questions. All right, let's go. What is the symptom of being envious of Krishna? The symptom of being envious of Krishna is that we don't want to serve Krishna or we deny Krishna's supremacy. Or even we may say, yes, Krishna is supreme, but Shiva is also supreme, Brahma is also supreme, my Guru is also supreme. And then what is the meaning of supreme? Even if someone is supposed to be a sadhu and a devotee of Krishna, if they're promoting themselves more than Krishna, that's also envious of Krishna. You see, Prabhupada went all over the world and he made Krishna famous. All over the world now people know Krishna. They don't know Prabhupada so much. He made Krishna famous. But you'll find these Katakas, they go all over the world. So you see, I'm also going all over the world and preaching and they become famous. You see, people have heard of this this different Ramesh Bayoja and then, but, you know, what's he speaking? What's he speaking? Is he a Ram Kataka or what? I don't even know. He's speaking. So he doesn't, he hasn't made Rama famous, he's made himself famous. It is correct. I I've heard of him, I haven't heard of Ram. He's promoting himself. Because he doesn't teach them properly. He's interested in promoting himself, not Ram. If he was teaching them properly, they would not, then Ram would be... He's going to England and preaching. Who in England knows of Ram? They know Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, 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 Hare Hare. They never heard about Ram from him. He's not, he's not teaching people how to surrender their lives to, to Lord Ram. Exactly. They are kataka. They are only doing it, that they are not changing people's lives and making them surrender to Krishna and Rama. It's only an entertainment. Exactly. They are good. Because they are expert in speaking and singing, therefore people like it as an entertainment. So in this way they are spoiling the actual path of Krishna Bhakti by, by making people think that it's just some kind of entertainment. It, it would be easier to preach Krishna Bhakti if these people didn't make a show of it. Because then people say, why should we... Why? You see, he's a famous sadhu, we can listen to him. He doesn't te speak all these things. He doesn't teach us to uh, surrender our lives. So it's not, it makes you feel nice. But there's no change of heart. There's no surrender to Krishna. There's no dedication to Krishna. People go and hear about Ram, but who's going to dedicate their lives to Ram? By hearing this. You see these big speakers come, but did they ever convince anyone to dedicate their life to Lord Ram, to give up sense gratification, to give up drinking tea? It's all going on as a show only. Because they can speak nicely.
If you're going to speak, you should speak everything that is in Shastra, not just some selected things. Any other question? You should hear these things. Also, think about this. What is the purpose of life? How do you know for yourself whether you're progressing? When you're eating a meal, how do you know that you're becoming nourished and satisfied? You feel it automatically, isn't it? So in the same thing, if you become Krishna conscious, then automatically you become satisfied by serving Krishna and you don't want sense gratification. That's the test. If you're still interested in talking nonsense, watching nonsense on TV, if you're still, if we're still in, interested in anything which is not Krishna conscious, that means we're not making advancement. But if, if we have more attraction, that whenever I get time, let me chant about Krishna, let me do some service for Krishna, that means we're making progress. You can feel it yourself, you'll feel satisfied by serving Krishna. And the symptom of a devotee is that actually once you get that taste, then you feel you don't like to mix with materialistic people. You don't like to waste your time talking all nonsense. These are some of the symptoms. These, uh, this is described more elaborately if you get this book, Nectar of Devotion, which is called The Complete Science of Bhakti Yoga. Have you got that book? So that describes someone who is becoming advanced in Krishna consciousness. There are different symptoms. Doesn't like to waste time. Doesn't like to talk nonsense. He's, uh, doesn't become affected by material conditions. Likes to chant the name of Krishna. Likes to glorify Krishna. These are different symptoms. So you can judge for yourself. Any other question? How important is initiation for what? For any person. Well, initiation means... Uh, how important? You might think, well, it's important, so let me get initiated. But what is really important is the consciousness that leads towards initiation. It's not simply a formality. That if you hear, yes, initiation is important, okay, let me get initiated. But what is the consciousness? Initiation means to take the commitment to dedicate your life for surrendering to Krishna. So that is required. That is absolutely required. But if we think, yes, let me just take initiation, and then I'll just get initiated, I'll just get some blessings, and then I Guru Kripa Hikevalam, that's all, only Guru Kripa. So I'll get it. Now I'm initiated, so I don't have to do anything else. No, that's not initiation. That's only a show. Real initiation means Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Dikka Kale Bhakta Kare Atashamapan. Real initiation means to surrender to Krishna through his representative. So that is required. Otherwise, we, you see, Hindu culture, people think, yes, you have to have a guru. So, I have to find a guru. 
So you'll find out any, oh, okay, I got a guru. Find someone to initiate you. Okay, I'm initiated. Once I was at a mela in Bangladesh, Hindu mela. So the announcement was going on the loudspeaker that, yes, everyone has to have a guru, everyone has to be initiated. So Swami so-and-so is giving initiations. Come and get initiated. But what is the what is the meaning? First, there has to there has to be some exchange. Shiksha guru is meant to be teacher, and shiksha means he has to follow the shashan, the direction of the guru. So there has to be shiksha. There has to be pariksha to see if he's willing to follow. Nindiksha means formal acceptance for what? For more shiksha. So we should understand what initiation is. When we understand what it is, we'll understand what the importance of it is. What are the main qualifications of a devotee who wants to be initiated? He must, he must be molding his life for surrender to Krishna. He must make Krishna the goal of his life. That is the main qualification. We say, you chant so many rounds, you follow these principles. But why? Because life is meant for surrendering to Krishna. That's why. But what is surrender? You know what surrender means? Well, wait a minute. You're talking about surrender, but do you know what surrender means? Yeah, the thing is, if we're going to discuss, we should first clarify and understand what we mean. So what is, we talked a lot about surrender to Krishna. Atma samarpan. You know, different words. Sharanagati, then uh, prapannam, prapati. But what is the meaning, actually? Can anyone say Do for the sake of purification. Alright, but there is a specific definition. You see, all these words, it's not simply vague. But there's a specific definition. So there's one verse which is quoted, actually it's two verses, which are quoted in the uh, Srila Prabhupada's purport to Bhagavad Gita, chapter 18, text 66, which discusses surrender. So a definition is given there. Does anyone know that? Yeah, but what about the verses in the purport? Does anyone know? You can look it up. That's all right. I can tell you also. You should learn this also. There is... Surrender means there are six points. Can anyone say in English even? If you don't know. there are six points. But what are the six points? Ah, please say it. Anukul Yasya.
Sharanagati. So there are six points to surrender. The first one is Yeah, please what is describe that's one point. So please describe what does that mean? Sankalp. What does this word sankalpa mean? Determine it means to uh, to take a vow, to make a to make a promise, yeah. Not 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 a promise, it means uh, resolution, yeah. Resolution, that's a good word. So Anukulyasya Sankalpa. We shall only do that which is favorable for advancing in Krishna's service. Then Pratikul Yasya Varjanam. Varjan means giving up everything that is unfavorable to our advancement in devotional service. Now you see there are so many different rules and regulations. Do's and do nots. Vidhi Nishida. So some are positive. You should chant the names of Krishna. Some are negative that you should not. There are so many. You should not uh, circumambulate anyone in front of the deity. You should not eat food which is not offered to the deity. So there what is to be done and what is not to be done, we have to see what is favorable for advancement, what is what will block our advancement. And make the decision to only follow those things which will help our advancement. So Patikul Yasya Vajanam. Then Rakshishati Vishvasa, what does it mean? Faith. That Krishna will protect us. That means your firm faith, Krishna will protect us. If I simply surrender to Krishna, Krishna will protect me. That means I don't have to make so many endeavors for my own protection. I don't have to go to anyone else for protection. And the next one means Yeah, he's our he will maintain us. So it's similar to Rakshishatiti Vishvaso. Now this means firm faith that Krishna will protect us and maintain us. That means we're not going here and like in a supermarket. Little bit of Kali Puja, little bit of Sai Baba, little bit of uh, bogus meditation. No, only Krishna. Only surrender to Krishna. Nothing else. Only Krishna is our maintainer. No one else. Then, now that's two. Which you have to know one by one. Atmanikshepa means are the attitudes of a surrendered devotee. All right. What was your question? Well, if we feel that Krishna is not going to look after us, then that's not full surrender. Therefore, we have the process of sadhana bhakti. 
which brings us from the contaminated state to the purified state. We're not fully surrendered. But we should follow the process of sadhana by which we become fully surrendered. <laughs>